Kitchen Studios. It's episode 20 of the Bearded Carcast. And today, live on the Golf Channel, which frequently features hockey. <laughs> did, did you get that? Last night, the two NHL games, there were four NHL games played last night. Two of them aired on the Golf Channel. Well, you can't put them on CNBC, I suppose, right? I mean, well, they so have... they're owned by uh, Comcast. Right, but it's a channel dedicated right. to golf. 24-7 yeah. golf. So it's NBC, NBC Sports Ocho. Right. So they've been having games on USA and CNBC and the NBC Sports Network, but two of those like passed for Shark Tank reruns last night. And instead, you know, so you're watching hockey, but when they cut to commercial, they're commercials for golf products. Makes sense. Right. Perfect sense because— Well, you know, a lot of hockey players end up being good in golf. That's true because they have a lot of free time on their hands and, well, and the swinging athletes. Well, and the, well, okay. A, it's the professional athlete thing. B, it's to have a lot of time in the summer. And C, you know, with the slap shot, it's kind of the same motion know, as after swinging the Sharks golf. finished sweeping the Ducks last night. The Golf Channel was still on, and they had what can only be described as a bunch of people at a bar with a driving range on a video screen, just like playing golf and there were people commentating this and th this was at, like actual like yeah. original programming so should we go to like top golf exactly. and just do the show from there yeah like like i i'm not joking i think the bearded car cast could get like a 2 30 to 3 a.m slot on the golf channel just based on everything else that i saw on the golf channel well you know the next iteration Including of the, hockey you know well next year you know especially you know well we really haven't done a lot of work trying to get sponsors but if we were to get sponsors i think the next iteration of the bearded car cast would be to uh put like gopros in the car when we're because obviously the concept of Absolutely. this stems from you and i going to games recording the conversation in the car and then uh submitting it to the masses for their entertainment for those still listening we're not <laughs> going to talk about hockey and golf the whole time like we will talk about other broader topics that people might be more interested in but that being said have you watched any of the nhl playoffs i have not and a lot of it really has been um basically the last week i've been kind of submerged in Knights baseball, so the AAA team here in Charlotte that I work for. So it's for me, it's just been more of a timing issue, not a, a lack of interest issue. Um, because obviously the Bruins and Maple Leafs, I mean, that, those are I mean, the Bruins of my team. That's very traditional, um, you know, kind of a traditional old school. NHL rivalry, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. It's not my idea to break down the Jets' power play on this <laughs> podcast, but I have seen, very broadly speaking, three major trends to the playoffs. First of all, the series have tended to be lopsided. Yeah. Like, there are no 2-2 series right now. Everything is either over 3-1 or 2-1. Then... You've got the Capitals appearing like they're going to do what they do every year, which is they've got Ovechkin, they've got this great team, and they lose two games at home, and they're down 0-2, and they give you a little bit of hope by winning game three and probably lose tonight and are essentially done. I mean, th that Ovechkin situation, he is one of the great players of yeah. all time and appears to be going down like Dan Marino. And the thing is... Marino wasn't the one that was the Dolphins' problem in the playoffs over all those years. He didn't have enough around him. Ovechkin has a team that is one of the best in the regular season year in and year right. out, and they always come up small in the playoffs. I mean, if you're that franchise, what do you do? Yeah, and you have obviously, you know, skills maybe declining, best player in the league, but what they have uh, 49 wins this year. 
105 points. So it was, I guess they were third or, yeah, tied for third in points I mean, this year. Yeah. And they've also gone, like you suspect, like teams do, they've gone from being a fast team to kind of a heavy, right. tougher team because that's what happens with age. They've lost a lot of guys in free agency, but. How many times can you come up small before you make wholesale changes? And then the biggest story to me of not only the playoffs, but but the NHL season has been the, the Golden Knights. Yes. What, what An expansion team is one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. And I, I understand how it happened, but like... Think about all of the awful expansion teams in all of sports over all of these years. It's incredible. And the atmosphere there is bananas. Well, it's it's 2018. We had a 16 beat a number one in the NCAA tournament. I mean, if you're the Golden Knights and you win the Stanley Cup finals this year, the franchise should fold. <laughs> I mean, you win you win it all in your yeah. first year. Every game is a sellout and a huge party. The atmosphere is unbelievable. Like they have a new arena. They've got a really good team. They've got an unbelievable fan base. Like it's all downhill from here. Well, you can look at this the glass half empty, or you can look at the glass half full. I mean, what a way to start your career essentially as a franchise, you know, and you're in Vegas. So now now, now the bar's been set high. If, if three, four years from now they're last in the league, you know it'll be, uh, you know you'll uh, you'll have people, you know, busting out on blackjack, getting free tickets over to the Golden Knights. I mean, the the idea though that you can show up and be better yeah. than everybody else. I mean, last year you didn't have players. Now you just kind of picked up the scabs from everyone else, the contracts people didn't want. And you're one of the best teams in the league. I mean, you've seen this year in and year out in different sports and their expansion drafts. You remember when the Panthers came into existence? Well, that was what I was going to say. The second year of the Panthers, yep. they almost went to the Super and so Bowl. The Jaguars, yeah, the Jaguars same, did that too. That's right. Year. Yeah. But traditionally, expansion teams are bad, and now rules change. But we've never seen anything like this in the first year. But what does that say? Because teams, you know, were allowed to exempt some players from the expansion draft. So essentially, you're looking at guys that are castoffs or you know role players on I down. I think, and again, we're not NHL experts. I think what it says is the analytics movement has changed all of sports yeah. because the guys that were cast off weren't necessarily the worst players on the right. roster. It was guys that were a bit older and didn't have a future, or guys that had contracts they wanted to get rid of. It was a mishmash, but it wasn't just. The worst three players on every team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know um, the... I, I just like two traditional hockey cities, two climates that embrace cold weather, yeah. like San Jose and Las Vegas facing <laughs> yeah, off yes. in the Western Conference semifinals. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then maybe, uh, you know, I know they're, uh, you know, maybe, not, I don't know, long shot, they're a four seed, but... You know, wouldn't wouldn't Columbus Vegas be a great uh, yeah. Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, exactly. There's there's just hotbeds yeah. of hockey. Hotbeds of hockey. I, that sounds like a title of a book. Well, you that, can that, that, you that. can write that one because something tells me the number of people interested in reading about that are about the same number as listening to it. So let's move on to something that is maybe a, a bigger topic for more people. The, the news recently, and you're listening to the Bearded Carcast, right. and we'd love you to be a part of yeah. it. He's you're, Dave Friedman. I'm Mike Pacheco. Right. The, yeah. All that sort of things. That, yeah. That's why you you host, yeah. and I just pontificate. Uh, Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com, hashtag Bearded Carcast. 
So Brady's retiring. Is yeah, this crushing you? Well, I, I, I mean, the photo of the year is uh, Tom Brady and Giselle riding camels. <laughs> right? Were they in Cutter? Right? Was it Cutter yeah. where they were? Yeah. That seems normal. That seems like a normal. <laughs> oh, what, oh, I saw the uh, one. Well, the, you saw that Stormy Daniels put out the uh, the picture, the sketch, of, right? And, yeah. and Tom Brady is the one. But wouldn't it be a 2018 thing to be that that was Tom Brady? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's no way in the world that, that that's. I mean, I would, I would, I would bet the farm that, that there's no way that that's true. But when I saw that sketch, I was like, hmm. Tom Brady. Yeah, that's Who a better. Knew? That's a better sketch of Tom Brady than the courthouse sketch from him in the uh, the suit that he had yeah, with the NFL. Exactly. I'm not sure anyone has ever been better at keeping their name in the media every single day than Stormy Daniels. Like, even if the incident didn't happen or it did happen and the person sort of kind of looked like Tom Brady, just by putting out a picture of Tom Brady, there are more people talking about it and it stays in the news. Her her 10 minutes or of fame are lasting, like, months. Do you know the biggest winner in all of this? And, and, and I would argue, you could argue this, there's no winners in any of this. Uh, it's got to be her attorney. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, that dude is uh, what, Michael Avenetti. Av- Av- Avenatti, yeah, right? I saw him on 60 Minutes. Yeah. But, but that mean, guy is like, he is yeah. like outmaneuvering. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, that guy is going to be classic, in demand. It's the classic all news is good news or all PR yeah. is, is good. Like just name is there every day. Like some sort of new something or another. Like Like they have done an... It's a PR blitz. But here's the, here's the bigger question, though. Is this much ado about nothing with Tom Brady and obviously, you know, the workouts and, you know, in years past, he necessarily hasn't gone to the workouts. Uh, I mean, maybe this, you know, people are people reading, reading way too into this. Like, I'm clearly Brady is somewhat Let's giving the screws that. to the yes. Patriots. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as Stormy Daniels. There's no new news the 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 tom brady is the person that intimidated her yeah. like ridiculous there's no nonsensical is the same thing as tom brady is not going to play this year like maybe he's not going to play this year you know a one percent chance or something like that but he has not done anything leading up to this year that looks any different than any other year no it's crazy 2018 in a nutshell. So what do you think? Lamar Jackson's going to lead the Patriots? <laughs> no, they do have four picks in the first yeah. and second round. Do you think the Patriots should draft a quarterback? Well, look at the successive, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett, even though it's a very small sample size, you know, he had that one game he came in and he won. You know, the league kind of is is, is evolving in what the quarterback position, you, you what, what you want to see from that. And I think in, in years past, you know, have seen um, – kind of that quote-unquote mobile quarterback, you know, the new age quarterback, whatever you want to term it, has given the Patriots fits. I mean, look, um, and John and I, my son and I, were at the game last year when Cam Newton and the Patriots went into New England and and beat the Patriots. So it's, you know, the, the game is changing. The, the, to me, that's the genius of Bill Belichick. It, he's not a guy that's sitting there and trying to play 1950s football and adapting, you know, the game to him. I mean, he's he's adapting to what what changes are going on in the game. But when you look at what's going on in the NFL right now, if you have a certain team, you have a nucleus, you're close to being ready. The Rams, they're all in. The Eagles, right. they're all in. The Patriots have been the best franchise in the league for over a decade, maybe 20 years now. Wouldn't it be weird if they were hedging their bet? Like, you've got Brady. He's one of the top quarterbacks. You've got a good complimentary cast. You're certainly one of the Super Bowl favorites. And now you're going to spend your draft picks on 
what's going to happen in two or three or five or ten years down the line. Like, you've got four picks. Now you but can trade, been, you, of course. you could argue they've been doing that for the last six, seven years. Well, and that's how you end up with yeah. those four picks in the first two rounds. No, but what I mean by that is, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Matt Castle before that. I mean, they were, they were drafted somewhat to be projects because you knew Absolutely. they would have time to learn at the, at the feet but of Tom none Brady. none of those guys were picked with the seventh pick or the 12th pick. Like, it would right. surprise me. Well, Garoppolo was a second. I mean, New Grant, not a first round pick, but he was a second round pick. Right, but it would surprise me if they use more than one of those picks to move up to get somebody like that's not the Patriots. But I don't think if you can assume that Lamar Jackson is the guy they're targeting, I don't think Which you can't No, But you but if you if you were to suggest that He's not a guy that they would take, I think, before the second round. Right, and, and that may be the case, but like you, I really- mean, they have bigger issues. They need they need defensive line help, a linebacker. I think an issue. You could you could make the argument wide, wide receiver. receiver. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. like everybody. I mean, everybody, every team right now. When you're looking up and down the list, every team could probably find a need four, five, six positions deep. It's just a matter of where you're going to be able to fill some holes in free agency, and where you're going to try and get impact guys in the draft. So I think it's clear for us. Yes, the Patriots need an answer after Brady, but maybe that's not their most pressing issue. What about the Giants? Dave Gettleman, the old general manager of the Panthers, is now in New York, and with the number two pick, it feels like they control the way the draft is going to go. And I think what's really interesting for Dave Gettleman watchers is, does he take, you know, whoever's left at number two, you know, whether it's a Josh Rosen or um, Sam Darnold or, you know, whichever quarterback, because the quarterback's probably going to go number one, right? It sure seems right? likely. So so is he going to expend the, that pick on a quarterback, or is someone going to give him, you know, a crazy, like, Vikings-Cowboys uh, right. I mean, trade, interesting like is- Herschel Walker trade, where you get just a ton of – because I could see Dave Gettleman – Giving up the number one pick if you got like two or three number one picks or two number ones yeah. and maybe a couple of number twos or you know some sort of package right. I mean, knock them off his it's feet. It's an organizational question because you well, you still have you still have I mean Peyton Manning you could probably get by with him for another two or three years. Eli. Eli Manning, yeah, sorry, Freudian slip. Um, yeah, it's the end of a seven-game home. You state. can definitely get away with him. You're not going to win anything, but maybe that doesn't matter. But if you're playing for three years from now or playing for two years from now and you have the number two pick, we saw the Chiefs last year move up to get Patrick Mahomes and then play him behind Alex Smith. Eli Manning is not going to be your quarterback in fill in the blank, 2020 or 2021 or something like that. So if you make a trade there, now if you trade back to five or six or eight, and you still might be able to get it. Now you still might be able to get a quarterback and you're adding assets. But if you move back to... 16 or 20 like now you're out of that top tier quarterback like what's the long-term future let me ask you this question but the bigger question though is are those guys at the top of the quarterback chart in that category uh, in three or four years can they be an elite top five top 10 quarterback because that's the question i mean i think people have kind of done a 180 on trading backwards and i think it's a little bit of belichick because he does it and he does it so successfully if Gettleman were to get, like you said, a Herschel Walker package, a huge package, I think people would be excited about that. The problem is someone has to play quarterback in 2020 or 2021 when you're, quote-unquote, building for. Sure. And if you don't have that guy now, maybe you get him next year, maybe you don't. But you don't want to have 
Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback because you're not going to win in the long term with Tyrod Taylor. And speaking of Tyrod Taylor, you're the Browns. You're yeah. drafting one and four. Is it the stupidest idea of all time to take two quarterbacks? Two quarterbacks. Wow. Uh, yes. Why? Why take two quarterbacks? I think just because... I mean, one you'd probably be jettisoning in three or four years, right? I'm just kind of talking through this because we didn't discuss it. So, two, I, I don't know. It just seems to me. I mean, you need talent at every position. You do. Or most right. of them. I mean, I, I so, think, but I think if, because you want guys that are going to start right away. Right. I mean, you. So, you, so, you, you, so now you're going to put one guy on the, you're going to create a controversy. You're going to, you're going to, uh, you're taking away potentially a starting position somewhere else. I, I, I would, I think you just got to go with the, with who you think is the best of the two quarterbacks, take that guy and then get whatever your next biggest need is. If you know you're going to hit with the first quarterback pick, you obviously don't take a second quarterback because you're putting all your assets right. into one position. Only one of them can play. But when you're the Browns and we see every year <laughs> that list of quarterbacks yeah. that they've had right. going all So do you want to make back, it worse by getting two guys and they both right, flame but, out? But your chances of hitting a home run are better right. when you have two swings yeah. than when you have one. Yes. And the problem with your franchise for a long period of time has been you're awful at the most important position. So you are capping how effective the draft can be because you're not getting that impact lineman and the impact quarterback. But your impact lineman can be a bust too. If you take the two quarterbacks, your chance is of getting a franchise quarterback go up significantly. Like, But what if you're passing on a guy that potentially could be a starting cornerback for 10 years? You can have the best cornerback in the history of the NFL, and if your quarterback sucks, your team isn't good enough. Okay, but so and the risk of that is, what if they both don't develop? Right. And now you've set yourself back even further. Then and- everyone needs to be fired because you had two <laughs> chances at getting a franchise quarterback and failed with both of them. That's what David Kahn did, right? David Kahn needed a point guard. Oh, two point guards, So yeah. he drafted yeah. two of them, and immediately after his two picks, Steph Curry went. Yeah. And now David Kahn does not have a job as a general manager in the NBA. I think you just found your answer. I, I don't <laughs> think it's the worst idea. I mean, you you are spending a ton of leverage on one spot. But if you're really good at player evaluation and you get two very good quarterbacks, now you've got Jimmy Garoppolo and you right. can trade him. Right, but you're probably not going to get the same value back for him. In other words, I mean, it's hard to showcase that second quarterback. Why? Your team stinks. You're not so you're going gonna play to two quarterbacks. I don't know how you're going to do it. You can play them each and every game. You can split but, but the season the, half and, and, and half. There are injuries in the NFL, like 10, 12, 15 starting quarterbacks go down at some point during the year. They're both going to play in the preseason. Like It's more difficult. It's hard to prove it. But like we all kind of know that this guy has the buzz. Garoppolo has this buzz as a good backup quarterback. What did he prove him before he went for a high draft pick? Well, he won a couple of games and then he got hurt. Well, what are right? the chances that both of those quarterbacks are going to get a chance to play at some point during the year pretty good guys don't yeah. play the entire or Brady season. came back he didn't get hurt but yeah um I don't know I think you're you see and this is where you and I think differently because you're really more analytical and I, I kind of tend to look at big picture stuff and I, I mean you're looking at two guys uh, every week in training camp or every day in training every camp. coach tells you competition is the best no no, no I'm not I'm not I'm, that's not a, that's not the problem is to me is 
that question is going to be moving forward. It, it's I don't know. It, it 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 seems like it's more problems and not worth the risk. Was it a good idea when Mike Shanahan drafted RG three and Kirk Cousins? They weren't in the same round though. No, it was um, like Cousins was a fourth round, I think. Okay, maybe. Yeah. No, I don't have a problem with that. But if you're going to burn two picks in the in the in the first round draft, because I, I, you're you're taking, and I understand your point. You're saying, look, you get two chances to get your franchise quarterback, but you're also you're 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 putting a hole somewhere else that you could be filling in. And we've seen in the NFL, yes, a quarterback is important. But we've also seen if you have a good enough quarterback and you're strong at other positions, you can still win. When have we seen that? Well, we've seen that with now. Granted, we're going back some years, but we've seen that with Trent, the kind of the game managers, if you will. Uh, the Panthers I mean, Nick, went to the Super Nick, Bowl with a with, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. So yes, it is possible. But you put yourself in such a little niche one percent hold trying to win in that manner. Like, can it be done? Yeah, yeah, it's been done. But I mean, do we need to talk about those? one-offs, those once-every-decade, once-every-fifteen, once-every-twenty-year scenarios? Or should we talk about nine out of ten Super Bowls are won by Peyton Manning, Tom Brady? Eli Manning's won two. Right. I mean, like, th- those those high-end quarterbacks, Joe Montana and Troy Aikman, those but, are but, the guys but, that win. But, but when you go back to Eli Manning, though, it, it he's a borderline Hall of Fame player. He's a very good quarterback. Very good quarterback, no doubt about that. But he, uh, would you don't put him in the same class as no, like a Tom Brady, absolutely not, Joe Montana. But but when he was winning Super Bowls, he, he was had great a top defenses too. Six, top eight, top ten quarterback. Yeah. I mean, if you have Tyrod Taylor, and and I'm not dumping on Tyrod. Tyrod's a starting quarterback in the NFL, but that's not good enough. If you go into the year and you go, my quarterback is twenty to thirty two. You're thinking about who's my quarterback going to be next year? Because no. if I bring back this right. guy who's twenty to thirty-two, we're not good enough at that position. The Browns have had twenty to thirty-two for twenty years, decades, decades, thirty years, and their record has gone right along with that. You got to have a quarterback now. If you're good enough at player evaluation, and you're going to take the next great player, and you're that sure about it, take them. And then add a great lineman, a great linebacker, a great guy in the secondary, a great running back, wide receiver, whatever it is. But if there's any doubt in your mind, if we were so sure that they were going to get the first pick right, then why is there a debate about who they're going to take? Yeah, but to me, it just goes back to to take two shots at that. You're just eliminating yourself from from being good at another position that could be impactful. But nothing well. is important until you solve that position. Uh, no, you have to have an elite defense in the NFL. You have to have an elite no, defensive line. Don't. Yes, you the do. The Patriots haven't had an elite defense, and they've won the Super Bowl. Teams score fifty points a game and win fifty to. But part 42. of the Eagles. Okay, so you you have. You see, I think you have it exactly opposite. You have to have a good enough defense. You, you have to be able to bend and not break. You have to be able to make some stops in the red zone. But you don't have to have a really good No, defense. but what you do have to do, you have to have an elite pass rush. 
you got to get pressure on the quarterback. Because even when, when Tom Brady has had trouble, look, Atlanta almost, the reason why Atlanta lost that Super Bowl is because that defensive line wore down late in the game, and the Patriots were able to take advantage of that. That that may be, but it seems to me, I don't even think it's arguable. That I'd say after quarterback, the next important position is either a pass-rushing defensive end or a, a, a good interior uh, disrupting defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, I think left tackle and pass rusher and quarterback are the three most important positions. But if you gave me either the quarterback or the other two, but if you I have take a chance, the other two. But if you have a chance, I, I, I take the quarterback because if you have an unbelievable left tackle, but he's protecting the backside of someone that's not any good, it doesn't matter. Right, but if you have a chance to get two elite players of those three, I would take that over getting two quarterbacks. Of course, if you know the first pick is going to be good. But you don't know any pick's going to be good. Exactly. So why not take two guys at the most important position and have a much better chance of being good at that position and then worrying about everything else? Welcome back to the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Friedman. You can follow along at Bearded Carcast on Twitter. You can email us. Give us your thoughts. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. And if you ever play fantasy football against us, my team will be stacked at quarterback. <laughs> right. Mike Swone. <laughs> That's right. I'll have a lot of defensive players. <laughs> uh, actually, I do play. Uh, we changed it this year. I play in, a, um, in the, the, the one fantasy football league that I'm in. Um, we used for years, we would pl- draft three defensive players. Uh, this year it got voted out and uh, went with a team defense, which is just easier. I hate defense and fantasy football. There's, it's, it's totally it's kind of pointless. I like the players better, probably, yeah. but it's, it's so arbitrary. Kickers and fantasy football, get rid of them. Those are stupid. Those are, those are coin flips. Get guys that actually help you. Speaking of fantasy football, speaking of football in general, Des Bryant. Yeah, he was a high pick in yes. fantasy football leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Years. I've had him a couple times. Yeah, explosive guy. I think he had 132 targets last year, some ridiculous number. If you're the Panthers or the Patriots or whoever you cheer for, do you want him on your team? The big question here in Carolina, because I think most Panther fans would jump ecstatically, yes. Just because, you know, what would that offense look like with Des Bryant and Cam Newton and and high pro you know high prolific you know you got Greg Olson at tight end possibly uh, <laughs> no he'll, he'll be here just kidding um, but to have that combination uh, Panthers obviously going through an ownership change the interesting thing when I saw that because the football mind in me said man that would be great to have Des Bryant but the the larger question is and and I don't know, you know we haven't talked to Marty Herney I don't know where his head is right now you know I don't know Des Bryant. And Cam Newton, you got two very high type A football players, two type A personalities. You know, that's a that's a question of do you feel like that chemistry would would meld together? Patriots, you know, the Patriots have taken flyers on guys that you know, kind of quote unquote. I mean, just look at Randy Moss, and he really prolific. Uh, you know, was prolific in that Patriots offense with I Tom think Brady. You just hit it on the head. If it's taking a flyer and he's not that expensive, and if it works great, if not, okay. Every team in the league should be interested. Yeah. But if he's going to get paid as an elite number one receiver, yeah, thanks, no thanks. I mean, he's 30 years old, and his numbers were amazing up until you know the end of 2014. Yeah. And the last three or four years, he gets a zillion opportunities and hasn't really taken 
Huge advantage to them. I mean, he's a good player and he's an asset and you want him on your team. But if he's getting paid like an elite guy, if he's a number one guy, I think you're in deep, deep trouble. For the Panthers, wasn't that the reason they traded with Buffalo? They didn't want two like bigger, right. slower receivers. Right. And that was a, that's a, yeah, that was, and, at this and the offense kind of clicked after, at this after stage that trade. of his career. Isn't that what yeah. Des Bryant yeah. is? I mean, like, he, he's going to get a job. He should get right. a job. But if he gets paid double digits, if he's getting paid $10 million a year or more, I think your cap space can be used in a better spot than that. If he's willing to come down, though, yeah. I mean, he he at his best is, is really, really good. But he also is a little bit of a prima donna. If he's only targeted 75 times, which is not a small number, is, is that going to be a major issue? Yeah, I mean, you have to be confident that he's going to be willing to I don't want to say step down to being a role guy. I mean, he's going to be a big part of the offense, you know, but the, is he look in today's athlete? I mean, they, they gauge themselves on their stats on the field, but their stats when it comes to their salary are, are you know, th- those are almost bigging bragging rights than anything else. And do you make anything of the fact he says he wants to play the Cowboys twice a year? So he <laughs> wants to, I mean, like, yeah, it is, I mean, I, I get it. Like he kind of wants revenge or whatever, but yeah. is that if, like a wink, wink, nod, nod, pick me up giants or pick me up Redskins? Right. right. I mean, he doesn't really fit though. No. With the Eagles. No, I'm not sure why the giants who are essentially rebuilding but Odell Beckham. I mean, let's say, yeah, if they lose Beckham, but again, you're, you're basically rebuilding. You're not going to win right now. So why are you picking up the expensive veteran receiver? Washington, I, I don't know, maybe, but like if you're, but that'd De- be a Daniel Snyder move, wouldn't it? Totally, absolutely. But if you're Des Bryant, are you going to take less money to play for a team in the division? Probably not. I think he, well, take less money. Team in the division, obviously, you feel like they're going to win, right? You know, yeah. I mean, if you feel, I mean, I don't know what, like what his biggest thing now. I mean, he's made a crap ton of money. So, I have a funny feeling he spent a crap ton yeah, of money that's, too. That's true, but no, the point is. You know, when you, I think when you get to that middle to later stage of your career, I mean, he's 30. So, I mean, in the NFL, that's old. Uh, I think you start thinking about where can I, where's my best chance at merging money and chance yeah. to win? Yeah. I mean, some people think that way. Uh, I, I don't know whether he does or not. I just, I have a hard time believing that he's going to get off for 10 million from one team and seven and a half from another. And he's going to go, yeah, you know, Two and a half million dollars to play the Cowboys twice a year. Sure, I'll, I'll sign up for that lower figure. Like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like he'll, hot air. Well, I don't think he would allow himself. He doesn't seem to me, to me to be a guy that would really lowball himself. Right. I mean, he's still gonna have to get paid. You know, I mean, he's not gonna. I I would be surprised if someone paid north of ten or eleven million dollars for him a year. I mean, what we're about to find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Obviously, hey, there's something else that's going on that you and I talked about last night, uh, and it's it's the it's the biggest. Not biggest. It's maybe one of those 2018 stories we talked about in the first, I mean, in a different type of way, just what kind of year this is, right? So Rob Gronkowski, we all know the Gronk. He's the, he's the party guy. He's he's uh, everyone's you know favorite lovable oaf uh, who happens to be an elite NFL football player. He's won a couple of Super Bowls with the Patriots. Talk it, about a guy I love in fantasy football. Oh, because there, there absolutely. aren't other elite right. tight ends like that. I mean, there, there are a few. Philly's got one. Kansas City has one. But like... He he's essentially like you either have him yeah. or you don't have right. that top guy. He's in when healthy, he is an game changer. A game, total game, game changer. changer. Game changer. Well, now he's trying to change himself into another game. That's right. And one of your favorite passions, 
I am so excited about this. Rob Gronkowski bought a small portion of a horse that's going to run yeah. in the Kentucky Derby. And it happens. Gronkowski. Yeah. If you bet on the Kentucky Derby, yeah. this is phenomenal news. That horse has no chance of winning. <laughs> horse has never run over yeah. a mile, has never won on dirt. That that horse is up the river without a paddle, <laughs> no chance. But right. now, because of this yeah. huge media story, and Gronk's going to be there, and yeah. he's going to you know, have had a couple adult beverages, and everyone's going to talk about him, that horse is going to go from probably reasonably 25 or 30 or 40 to 1 to like 10 to 1. And that means there's going to be more value on the horses yeah. that it can actually win Justify and Magnum Moon right. and Mendelssohn and Audible and Bolt Dioro, et cetera, et cetera. But it's so Gronk, right? Yes. Like he's the party guy. He's always having fun. There's no bigger party than can Kentucky Derby. And honestly, like he bought a small portion of a right. horse with his own name yeah. on it. It's kind of a drop in the bucket. Like just how fun is that? So how much time does he spend in the infield? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a. Good I mean, you question. can see Gronk going out there and partying for a while, don't? You? I mean, he's yeah, he's a I sweet mean, guy, but the whole thing though is a party. Like yeah. he can party with high end drinks yeah. and good looking people on Millionaire's Row and not have to hang out with you know twenty two year olds who. But Gronk's a type of guy that so, no, he, he can he can converse in he both is. worlds. He can exist in both Honestly, worlds. Honestly, LeVar Ball has the reality show of his two kids playing yeah. uh, professional basketball in Lithuania, like. Someone should sh someone should make Gronk at the Kentucky Derby. That's a reality show. Like, like just follow. <laughs> We're gonna go right now. We're gonna go get some cameras and uh, see if we can follow Gronk for three days. So, I mean, it sounds amazing. I mean, that's a that's a Bravo TV series, I, right? It's certainly not suited for you know. Uh, uh, Gronk at the Derby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might be pay per view. Oh, that's definitely a paper. Wow, that might be in late night. <laughs> that might be on Cinemax, like on Saturday night. At Two in the morning. I don't know about that. Um, this is probably less interesting, but that's what we do on the Bearded Carcast. We tell funny stories, and then we tell less interesting stories, I guess. But Sam and I had a chance to name a horse. You did? Yeah. So her, her father, uh, stepfather, my father-in-law, stepfather, I guess, uh, used to be, um, towards the end of his life, got into horses. And, you know, he would, uh, you know, dabble in, in horses. And so I think by the time we uh, we got involved with all this, uh, he'd already had, like, one or two horses and you know, you, you, that's the kind of thing where you know you're trying to maximize the uh, when you're the breeding rights. So you're trying to you know get the best possible sure. combinations, right? So we went uh, horse hunting with them. This was before I was in Canapolis. So this is probably like this is good timing. I think the Ocala sale is uh, this week yeah. or next week. So very timely. Topic. And we went to the um, what's the one? Um, uh, what's the Keeneland meet in the spring? The, yeah, Keeneland Spring Meet. The Keeneland Spring Meet, Which also yeah. is this yeah. time of year. This is the time of year that all of the sales begin. Right, okay. So we're there, and so uh, we called them Pops. So Pops um, said, hey, the next horse we buy, you guys get to name. So, you know, a couple months go by, and, you know, the breeding was successful, and it, it's our turn to, to name. So we're throwing about all these different ideas. And so Sam came up with uh, Totally KB, which was Totally Kicking Butt. Now, when you go to the, the jockey club you know, you kind of have to explain the, the nicknames. And, and there was some concern. Again, this is 20 years ago. So there's some concern that uh, that might have somewhat of an issue, although it probably wouldn't have had. So 
we 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 kept the totally KB, but we 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 kind of lied to the jockey club and we said that it, it stood for totally Kentucky bred. Because <laughs> that's where it was. Yeah, that, it was bred. That's pretty good. I've always said and, it, and the horse actually ended up winning a race. Really? Yeah. And, but the, the, the so the discussion became, and I think he held on to the horse because um, you know at, at that level because it was low level. So it's like if you have a really good horse. At some point, if you want that horse to continue to race, you have to put him in the the races where they can get claimed. Right. So, uh, so they ended up. I don't think they went that route. They ended up. The the horse actually, uh, Tolly KB ended up having a couple of folds. I think so. Yeah, there you <laughs> had go. a good life. I've always said if I owned a horse, I'd name it Joanne's Meatloaf. My <laughs> mom is Joanne, and yeah. she makes great meatloaf. Uh, I have a friend whose father has owned horses over the years, and his wife, my buddy's mom is a big fan of the Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. And they named their horse Bazinga. Oh, nice. So, you know. Now, how many people do you think at the Kentucky Derby... I mean, obviously, there's the, the, the higher subset of people that actually take the time to learn how to... Like, like you and, and my wife actually can handicap races. The, the there are del- two types of people in the world. Those that can read the daily racing right. form and those that can. But how many people are just betting on names and numbers? Like, just betting on whatever number the... That are physically at Churchill Downs? I mean, there are going to be 120,000 people there, and there are, I don't know, 75,000 that are just there for the party and experience, right, maybe more than that. Yeah. The, the bigger question to me is the handle. There are a lot of people betting $2 on a horse right. named Gronkowski, but the people that are actually doping it out and playing exactus and trifectus and superfectus and pick fours and pick fives and pick sixes and kind of putting in actual money. It's one thing to bet $2. It's another thing to bet $200. So like there's a large percentage throwing their money away of people, but what percentage of the actual money being bet, that's smaller. And so what do you think? um, The Kentucky Derby is the only race all year long in that sport where the public puts in more money than the professionals. Really? So if there is a female jockey, whether justified or not, her horse will go off at lower odds than it should because it's the only race all year that you have a very large female audience betting on. It's the only race all year long where whatever the cute story is, the Gronk story, you remember Calvin Burrell won the Derby. He was a jockey three out of four years or three out of five years He had those great, unbelievable runs on the rail. And the most famous one was he was on that horse that was 50 to 1 and was 30 lengths behind at the beginning and then won the Kentucky Derby on that rail skimming ride. This is about 10 years ago, right at the end of the race. Well, in the subsequent 5 or 10 years, Everyone just bet blindly on Calvin Burrell. Right, because that magical strike twice or right. four times. But but that's exactly the way you're not supposed right, right. to bet. You're supposed to handicap and think about it. And that's why, right. like, I, I'm not joking. Like, Gronkowski being in the race is huge for betting value. Right. So now, like, when you go to a, a casino and you bet blackjack, the, the people that are professionals— they don't want to see the 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 you know Rube come in and take a you know 
you know, take a card on 19. Is, yeah. is that kind of like that in horse? I mean, do, 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 do professionals kind of... Well, blackjack's not a good example because blackjack, you're playing against the casino. So No, yes, but, but, but from the standpoint yes. of... Yes. Someone, not from the result, from the standpoint of if you take the card and then you yeah, tell you... Yeah, so, someone can interrupt it, but it's yeah. still random what right. cards are coming. And the way you make money, the way the casino makes money in blackjack is it it's built in. You have right. to ante up at the beginning. But... Horse racing is much more like poker. I'm playing against you. I'm playing against uh, Sam or yeah. John or whoever else right. is there. Now, the casino is taking a piece off the top. Right. But in the end, we're going to recalculate. I'm going to take money. If I win, I'm winning your money and Sam's money and John's right. money. If you win, you're winning my money and Sam's money sure. and John's money. Whereas in blackjack, it's not... What, what they call co-mingle wagering. It's not like there's money in a pot and then it's redistributed. Right. It's you versus the casino with the casino having the built-in odds. And the other thing about horse racing is not only do you have to handicap the horse, but you kind of have to handicap where everybody's betting, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there are two Like, you have ways. to pay attention to how the odds are... Yeah, because something... If you say, I think the Warriors are going to win the NBA Finals... And you go, yeah, well, so do I. Well, what odds are they a good bet? If you say it's two to five, yeah, well, that those are ridiculous odds. <laughs> if you say it's eight to five, those might be really good odds. I mean, so, yes, you have to handicap who's going to win the race, but you also have to have a percentage on that. I think this horse has a 40% chance of winning the race, and you're giving me five to one. Phenomenal. But if it's even money and you think it has a 40% chance of winning the race, well, you might have the right horse, but there's still no value there. So how many times have you been? You've been to the Derby a couple of times, haven't you? Uh-huh. What's the uh, – so handicap the the event when, when, What as far as not – Obviously, I'm talking about the experience. Like, so what? What's what? What have your experiences been like going to the? Derby? I, I've never been to the Indy 500, but that's kind of what I imagine it to be like. I mean, there are a lot of people that are not horse racing fans because it's a place to be. It's an experience. Right. It's it's something to see. It's like the Daytona 500 or the yeah. Super Bowl. It's it's a, it's a, the event almost is bigger than the actual what's going on there. Right. I mean, you also, because you have that huge number of people, over 100,000 right. people, and because it, depending upon where you want to sit, it's not necessarily expensive. Now, if right. you want to sit with, with the pretty people, it right. is. Yeah. But, but if to, you're hanging out with Gronk, you're shouting out some big dope. It, it, yeah. Yes. But, but you don't, you can get in very inexpensively. Right. Like if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you may simply not be able to go. Yeah, you, you I cannot. Mean, tickets are well, this year. I think was the low ticket was I think eight hundred dollars. Right. Like I mean, but you can you can get into the Derby for like mm. fifty bucks or something. Right. right. So like, like it's very accessible. So because of that, you have this incredible mix of people. So yeah, it's it's spectacular. But in the end, the sporting event takes two minutes. Right. So it's an all day thing for for two minutes. Now, if you're me. You're handicapping the 10 races that go before that, and you're really trying to map it out and bet. And betting, to me, is the same thing as playing the stock market. I mean, it's it's a very serious endeavor with a lot of thought and a lot of prep that goes into it. It's really no different than broadcasting a game for me. That's the way I look at it, and that's the way I go about it. It's, It's an investment. It's not a gamble. Just like the stock market is an investment, not a gamble, where you can lose because that's gambling in general. But if you're just there to have a good time, I mean, 
it's a really long day. The gates open at like right. 9 or 10 a.m. Kentucky Derby is run at 6 o'clock. If you're just there to party, you, you better be careful because there are always lots of passed out people way <laughs> before the event actually takes place. You don't want to be that guy. You know who I see at the Kentucky Derby? Mike Tice. Big horse really? racing guy. Very, very good handicap. Really? I did not. That's something I did not know. The, you, the horse racing community is an interesting one because yeah. you see the same people every yeah. time you going in and out. And, and it's, I mean, like Rick Patino, really yeah, into really horses. Not surprising. Yeah. Coached at Louisville, coached at Kentucky, but owns owns horses and has really gotten into yeah. the game. The people that are in it are kind of all in. <laughs> Welcome back on the Bearded Carcast. He's Dave Friedman. I am Mike Pacheco. Glad you're listening today, wherever you are listening from worldwide. We're actually big uh, in Europe. Oh, some, huge. Some, we have big Unbelievable numbers. audience. We've actually had people listening from Japan, believe it or not. At least that's what the uh, our analytics is tell there us. Is there a translation? A bearded carcass <laughs> translation? <laughs> I don't know. I think we transcend all languages. I think I just read a long article about uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah. And they have like an entire group of translators and oh, media yeah. professionals Abs- and such. So, I mean, maybe the bearded carcass needs someone. I You you can apply beardedcarcassoutlook.com. Do you want to be our, our translator? We can take an entourage. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll go live from Tokyo. You can be Just part of part of our entourage. Don't ask what the benefits are for that <laughs> position <laughs> or the pay. <laughs> well, the uh, NBA playoffs going on right now. Uh, I guess we're getting into uh, Game Three and all the series. Uh, Celtics uh, currently up two games to none over Milwaukee. You have uh, Philly and Miami all knotted up at one apiece. Cleveland big win in uh, in Game Two at home. Over Indiana, that's the four-five game. That'll be interesting. And of course, Toronto has a two-nothing lead over Washington. And then in the uh, in the uh, West quarterfinals, Houston over Minnesota. That's the one-eight-two-zero. Golden State, San Antonio, two-nothing. Portland, uh, o-two. The the um, Pelicans a two-game lead as the six seed, being the three seed right now. And then Oklahoma City and the four-five. Uh, match up with the Jazz. That game, uh, all even, or that series, all even at one apiece. If you believe like I do, the only two teams that can win the NBA Finals are Golden State and Houston. It kind of deems a lot of it irrelevant. However, it's impossible not to be drawn to a couple of teams in the East, mm-hmm. mainly Philadelphia and Cleveland. Right. I mean, LeBron goes to the Finals every, every year. year. They come out in Game One at home, and they're just bad. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh boy, you know, and they were like eight to one to win the NBA finals coming into the playoffs. So they're, they're not really getting a lot of respect. They didn't have a very good regular season. They made that huge move at the trade deadline where they essentially reshuffled the entire roster. And then in game two, they come out and they get out to that huge lead and really they hold on. It appears though, that if LeBron doesn't play the a game, right. They, they can't win. Right. And that's a long road though. It does feel like he's done that before. I think maybe the most interesting thing that's taken place in the playoffs. And I know they're playing a lousy opponent, probably the worst team in the playoffs, but James Harden was bad last night and it didn't matter. Houston still blew out Minnesota. Usually, if your best player 
doesn't play well, at very least, you're in a game. Right. And again, maybe a level of competition is the issue there, but that that is that's alarming that they can win so decisively with an effort like that. It, do you see a team other than Golden State and Houston? Do you think someone beats one of those two teams? No, those two are the prohibitive favorites, I would say. I mean, in the East, you know, I mean, the Celtics, as many games as they won, they won like 55 games. But, uh, you know, how, how much does that Brad Stevens magic last throughout the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you it know, feels I mean, very much like Michigan in the NCAA tournament right, to me. Right. Like, like you they'll, they'll burn all their energy if they get to the finals. and then it might I just be... think that coaching, coaching can get you a long way, but it can't beat the best teams. I believe that Michigan was one of the five best coach teams in the country this year, just like they are every year. Cause John Beeline is mm-hmm. special an elite offensive coach and they played great defense this year. And he'll, he'll, he will come up with a scheme. He will come up with a plan. He will put his players in the best position to succeed. They will get better as the year right. moves along. But at some point, you run into a team that just has better right. players than you. Right. And because of the situation with Kyrie Irving and because of the situation with Gordon Haywood, I, I think Brad Stevens can only take you so far. With all due respect to Toronto, they have a very, very deep team. Right. Kyle Lowry is a good player. Right. DeMar DeRozan player. had 37 DeMar, in the other night. Right, but like... The fact that you have the best ninth and 10th men in the league, that doesn't usually do the trick in the NBA playoffs. And that's why it's so easy to look at Cleveland and go, yeah, they didn't have a great regular season, but they still have LeBron. That's also what makes Philadelphia so interesting. Ben Simmons is not a good player. He is going to be maybe the best player in the league. I mean, he does everything. He plays point guard at 6'10". He rebounds. He passes. He defends. He is the future of basketball. He's incredible. His IQ is so high. And and I don't think they're ready yet. But the Mm -hmm. idea that they can win a playoff series and Joel Embiid hasn't stepped on the floor yet, Joel Embiid is also like one of the 10 or 20, 25 best players in the league. They have an unbelievable future ahead of them. Right, but do they have enough if they get through to the finals? Do they have enough to beat a Houston I don't think or so. Golden State? Not, not, not this year, but I don't think anyone in the East does unless LeBron James plays the game he did last night Every single game. And, and that's a lot to ask, though. Well, I, I would say that's not happening, except sometimes, occasionally, does, once yeah. in a while, we've seen that he happen can do it. with him. Yeah, he can but, do it. But, like, if you're handicapping, not the whole thing, just the East right now. Like, we agree Golden State and Houston are the two best teams right. in the West. And the West is pretty good, by and large, but those are the two best teams. How do you handicap the East? There's the Brad Stevens team, which is primarily Brad Stevens. Now, he's got, he's got good players. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, no, he does. But, but yeah. like, they're overachieving. There's the deep Toronto team. Yep. There's the young Philadelphia team. And then there's LeBron. So we saw the Cavs lose game one, right. played horrible. We saw LeBron play unbelievable, get off to a great start, and then have to survive in game two. Who, who are you picking to win the East? To me, it's probably going to come down to Toronto or Philadelphia. I, I, I just think... I, it's a lot to ask of LeBron James to to just I know and I know he can do it. We've seen it. Um, so uh, to me, though, you know Philadelphia has been playing great. The uh, analytics say that you're right. 
Yeah. That, that, the number of people like those teams. But the numbers hated LeBron last year. But and he it, went back to the finals. But, and, and, and to kind of counter my point, I mean, LeBron James is a once-a-generational guy. I mean, how, how many series did Michael Jordan just take over? And Basketball is attractive to a great degree because it's not a team sport at that level. Like, LeBron has willed his team to the finals year in yep. and year out. And yes, Chris Bosh was a good player. And yes, Dwayne Wade was a good player. It's not that he did it with no supporting cast. But the Toronto-type team, those teams don't win. Yeah. Look at all of the teams that win over a long period of time. They all have... Tim Duncan or Larry right. Bird or Magic Johnson or right. Steph Curry or LeBron James. I mean, what team? Akeem Olajuwon. I, off the top of my head, and, and I'm not an NBA historian, but like, what NBA team has won without a star? Like, Dirk Nowitzki is a star when the right. Mavericks won yeah. that year. Like, like, you have to have that guy. Right. I don't think Toronto has that guy. Right. I mean, you go back to the Lakers, you know, generationally, I mean, in the Celtics, when, when they've won, they've had superstars. That's why the Sixers just would be an incredible story yeah. because they have those guys. They have two of yeah. them. They have two absolute stars. Bonafide stars. But yeah. are they ready? Are they ready yet? Yeah. You know, are they like uh, are they like the Lakers teams with Magic Johnson like in 82 or, you know? you know? I mean, if let's say LeBron averages 40 or 42 or 43 minutes a game and they slog their way through the playoffs and now they're in the Eastern Finals and they've had to go six, seven games and you've got all that baggage of 40 minutes, 45 minutes a game, 40 points a game, leading his team. If he's playing Philadelphia in the Finals, I'm still betting on James. Yeah. Are, you, are you betting against LeBron James? I, I don't, I wouldn't. Right. I mean, like, I think it's different when you talk about Golden State or Houston. I think they just have vastly more talent and the star power to compete. But when when you're talking about Philadelphia, Toronto, Boston, uh, I I like elements of each of those teams. But I think they better win a series in five or six because in game seven, I I think I'm putting my money on LeBron. And you have to. I mean, he's he's got that track record. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see. Next week on the Bearded Carcast, I think we're going to focus heavy on the NFL draft. But I want to talk about Kawhi Leonard. We're a bit out of time. We could go and podcast can go forever. But I I, I think we're at a good stopping point. But but I want to talk about the Hornets, the Hornets' future, and Kawhi Leonard. And. That's a tease, as we call it here on the Bearded Carcast. Dave Friedman, I am Mike Pacheco. Follow along at Bearded Carcast on Twitter. Email us, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Thanks for listening.